Hey, and welcome to DS Queens. This is EJ. This is Free. Y'all, we are back again, and I'm excited. Me too. This but, is going to be a good one. Yeah, but I've been drinking. <laughs> <laughs> what are you drinking, offering? Um, Tonight, I'm just keeping it kind of um, classic. I'm doing the French 75 tonight. I wanted to get something a little more kick. Even though it's only Tuesday, this is going to be like a one of those kind of weeks I can tell already. Baby. Yeah, Um, I mixed some white wine together then i threw in some cranberry grape juice and a splash of pineapple (laughs) boom sangria (laughs) (laughs) so today we have a special guest tell us about our guest free so um we're picking up from where we left off last week about past traumas and unpacking them so in the midst of those conversations i thought about one of my good girlfriends from atlanta her name is Miranda, and Miranda is an LCSW. And for those of you who are not um, too familiar with mental health and um, titles behind names, she is like the puff daddy of mental health. Can't stop, won't stop. Can't stop, won't stop. She can literally do anything a psychiatrist can do except for write um, prescriptions, but she can give diagnosis, she can write treatment plans, she can... You know, she's an actual therapist that gives therapy. She's been in therapy since 2013. I actually met Miranda like a week after she got licensed. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yes. So she was kind of into a crash course of mental health, working with the um, agency, doing intensive family in-home, which is like the most intense amount of mental health services you can receive in the community in the state of Georgia. So she was kind of fed into the lion's den straight after being licensed. So, Miranda, tell us what you're drinking. Tell me, tell you what? Tell us what you're drinking. Oh, gosh. What I should be drinking. <laughs> <laughs> what I should be drinking is maybe rosé this time of year. But uh, I'm sticking to some aloe vera juice. It's very uh, hydrating. There's nothing wrong with staying hydrated. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Well, welcome to DS Queens, and we're just going to, you know, recap from last week, and I'm going to speak to, you know, some of the stuff that I was talking about last week about, um, I guess the theme or the topic is unpacking past trauma, Mm -hmm. and I recently realized that, well, not recently, because I've sort of always known, but I couldn't pinpoint what exactly my daddy issues were, and now I know, and so... Just to give you a little bit of insight, Miranda. So, your girl is super um, independent. I'm to the point where it might be a little offsetting to men. And I think that's where my daddy issue comes from because my father wasn't present. And I'm the type of person that, um, you know, I need to flex and let you know that I don't need you for nothing, right? Like, I go into relationships as super independent and, um, oh, you don't want to do X, Y, and Z? Boom. I can do it for myself. Um, (laughs) And, you know, it comes all very masculine and that's something that I'm working on. So what what do you think of that? Am I crazy? What do I think of that? Oh my gosh, we are like the same person. <laughs> when I told my husband that I was doing this tonight, 
Um, he laughed, and I knew exactly why. He's such an ass. It's really because he's like, well, damn, I should be the one being interviewed. He's talking about, you know, partners dealing with people with past trauma. But no, you sound exactly like me. Like, there's times where I'll ask him to do something, and if he pauses for, like, too long, like, it could be a split second, I'm like, fuck it, I got it. Like, yeah. don't worry about it. No, no, pass. Done. <laughs> you know, like, it's just, um, sometimes when that absence, is there though I can imagine that you don't really look back at it as a big deal it's just something you survived it's like not a big look you know but it taught you something and it taught you that you're better off trusting yourself Ugh, girl just deprogramming yourself and allowing people the opportunity because a healing relationship will really change that narrative up for you Mm. That is a really good point because I don't deal with disappointment. I don't like to be disappointed. So I never allow people the opportunity to disappoint me. And Mm -hmm. if I'm in a relationship with someone and you disappoint me, that is such a big deal for me. Like someone's word is everything. If you tell me, Ernestine, I'm going to show up for you in this way and you don't, I just. Yeah, it's a wrap. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> you might as well be dead. You're dead to me. Right. <laughs> and it's not even that big of a deal. Like, you know, it could be like, oh, you didn't bring the pickles. Like, I asked you to. Yeah. It's like, oh, I can't depend on you for anything. Nothing. You know? It's a dis- disproportionate response because of the old attachment wound from your dad. Yeah. How do you deal with that? Like, what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> you go to a therapist. <laughs> oh gosh, yes, you definitely. It would be beneficial to just really talk to someone to unpack it because it's hard to see for yourself. Like you don't know how many people I talk to that say, "Oh, I don't have any traumas." I have to kind of put a different language on it because it's not really that difficult to walk away from your childhood with a narrative that is detrimental to your adult relationship. But see, it can be as simple as, you know, you have a double parent home, their husband, you know, maybe one parent is boy. Um, so from time to time, it may feel like you're being raised by a single parent and they just, you know, they're trying to provide for you. So maybe they're not all the way emotionally available for you. Mm-hmm. The greatest parents on earth. And, um, you know, that can teach you, like you said, to be very independent then it damages or sabotages some of your relationships. So being able to be present and mindful and like kind of becoming the expert of your process. What sets me off? What are the early warning signs that I am set off? Um, and, and trying to interrupt those patterns as best you can. You know what's so crazy? I think sometimes I've been to a therapist before and For me, when I go, you know, I'm a results person. If you tell me a problem, I'm going to try to solve it for you. And I just didn't get that from her. She just, I mean, I don't want to, I could sit around and talk to my homegirls for free. Um, (laughs) You know, like, I didn't feel like there was, uh, okay, you should do X, Y, and Z, and this will result in X, Y, and Z. It was just like, yeah. And then she was like, you know what? I used to date a lawyer, too, and... it turned into her thing too and I was just like I can't do this with her <laughs> like I can't pay you to be my own girl I'm sorry <laughs> it sounds like that therapist was kind of she got too comfortable too fast and that happens 
kind of often when you have younger black therapists it's easy to slip into that slippery slope mm-hmm. it's so easy to do it i've had a couple black therapists that i have to be like i want to go to her but i can't because it has to be a bigger bigger age gap mm-hmm. like i can do older women and that's because of my relationship with my mom i can't do male therapists and i can't do younger black female therapists because like you said it'll turn into a conversation with my homegirl and then now I'm not being as open and honest as I should be with my therapist because I'm seeing her as my homegirl and I'm afraid of the judgment so it it ended up not working for me I had a, a, a older therapist as well mm-hmm. and she was a Christian therapist mm-hmm. and um, I, can't do. <laughs> I think well, with her it was good we were getting somewhere but then again Again, I'm a results person. Like, I'm coming to you for answers. You want to talk about, you know, why I'm here. I know what I'm here. I don't really need you to diagnose me, dog. I know. That's like part. That, that's part. <laughs> that's part of the process. And like, Miranda, can you? Um, I was talking about this earlier. Um, accountability. When someone, how do you hold someone accountable that's been through a past trauma? Like when you're in a relationship, how do you hold them accountable when they're trying to move past those past traumas? Or how do you hold yourself accountable to not, you know, do something that, that that's going to mess up the situation? Yeah, for sure. It's important that a, you know, the partner of someone who has gone through past traumas does not, you know, get into that six-foot role. It's important that they don't, you know, start to put the good around mm-hmm. um, things that trigger the other person. I mean, you can be nice and, like, thoughtful. Like, of course, if, you know, if I let my partner know, like, hey, this really irks me, then, you know, common courtesy would be to lay off of that. But at the same time, you shouldn't be doing the matrix trying to get fear of, like, landmines. Um, it's, it's really the responsibility of the person, like you said, like keeping that person accountable for um, their behaviors and reactions. And also, um, it's, it's hard. It's a balance because but you want to keep them accountable. You know, a phrase that you said back in the day, it was like, you don't get a gotcha, girl. You know, you don't want to be like, gotcha. Oh, you did it again. Right. I you do it again. You know, do it again. But having those check-ins. You know, make it kind of a routine thing so it's not a big deal. It's normalized in the relationship for you to have, like, check-ins, be what's going well, what's not working, what's helping, celebrating, like, small successes, even if it's not, like, the whole entire goal. If I, you know, made an approximation, then that should be acknowledged. It gives me gas if you go. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. That's always been like a hard, hard thing for me. I have a hard time holding people accountable for certain for their actions in certain situations, even if their actions is a trigger for me or mm-hmm. if their actions have caused past trauma for me. I'll just take it on the chin and not hold them accountable. I'll just suck it up. Yeah, it sounds like your tolerance is like your past traumas created. The tolerance that's a bit too high, like the threshold too high. Yeah, I agree. Like you just take it, but you just deal with it versus 
um, actually dealing with it. Take it for what it is and saying, hey, you know, like, while this isn't the biggest deal, I'd really like to pick up. Hmm. I do do that. Yeah, I'm... I try my hardest not to be confrontational. And because of that, um, I think for me, I only try not to be confrontational because I know when I get really mad, it's red and I'm going in. And I've learned that, like, I don't want to hurt the people that I love. So if I'm upset with somebody that I truly love, I just don't say anything. So... I don't say anything in that moment, um, and I, and it's not that I'm stewing because I get over stuff, but they could say one thing the next day, and it's like a trigger, and it's like, gotcha. And another thing, you know. Right. They're like, where is that coming from? (laughs) Yeah, remember um, two months ago at 5 o'clock when you said da-da-da-da-da. I let that shit ride. (laughs) I'm not going to let it. You trying me. Big bang, take little bang, boom. Right, right. So, I mean, everything you're saying is not, like, crazy. Like, there's nothing wrong with either of these approaches. It's just making these approaches work for you in this situation. You know, I think a thing that happened early on in my marriage is that I had this sense of urgency. And I and I, I wanna say that was based on like the trauma. Like I, I felt like if I didn't fix whatever was going wrong or the specific phrase nip it in the bud, that the relationship is gonna be over. And it could be something so small, it could be like how you put the cereal, like, no, we gotta nip this in the bud or else. <laughs> and it just wasn't that serious. Like, mm-hmm. I just learned to go to bed mad. Like, it's okay. You know, we can talk about this tomorrow. Like, if I'm supposed to spend the rest of my life with you, then, um, shit, we have all day. We have all, all our whole lifetime to figure out how to put the right cereal. But it's just not that deep. And that really helped shift, I guess, the way I was responding. So, again, um, you know, I really, the thing that helped me learn this the most was being pregnant with my daughter. Because I was so um, adamant about protecting my abdomen, like that wound that I didn't want to hold any attention in it. I didn't want, you know, to be afraid that she would absorb it and pick it up and that would impact her demeanor. And that really helped me to slow it down and to dig deep and be able to identify my emotions and not just push through them. It helps me to address them. So if I'm sad, what do I mean? Do I need a hug? Well, let me ask him for it. Mm-hmm. You know, do I need space? Let me do that at the time and go. Like, <laughs> but right. to do those things, to honor what's coming up for me versus just feeling like I had to force our way through it and to resolve it right away, it was really a game changer for us. But what role did your husband play in that? Um, was it a supportive role? Did he understand? Did he not understand? He did. I want to say he got glimpses of like of it when we did premarital counseling. We did it like a few sessions, um, so he knew that he was going to have to be like understanding. But I think his consistency mm-hmm. and the fact that like he never left or threatened to leave, no matter how ugly I got, you know, 
I think that is really what helped repair some of the wounds that I experienced before. That's good stuff. Mm, that is, yeah. That's good stuff. Because <laughs> I feel like with the right partner, it's easier to be your mm-hmm. true self. I remember I said something to an ex um, that, you know, helped me get past some of the issues of the relationship. And it was that this person made, was turning me into a very mean and hard person, completely opposite from what, who I am. And I feel like, you know, when you have a person in your life that like loves and supports you and understands that you are human, are going to make mistakes, you're going to have an attitude, you might roll your eyes behind their back, just little stuff like that, you know, they still love you through it. But like if the person just brings out, continuously brings out horrible parts of you and you, I had to like look, like I felt like I was looking from the outside in like who is this girl like you I used to just be so mean and it would take all of my energy to be mean to him but I felt like he literally took all the goodness like he was a taker and he completely drained me of all the goodness and all I had left was just fumes and of anger and and resentment for him um how do you like how do you really work past that? I mean, I left the relationship, but but yeah. so you don't take it into the next one, right? Because my husband, yeah. honey, oh, my husband is everything. My future husband, I haven't met him yet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to go back to what you're saying, the cold part about it is that you know that relationship made you seem like your worst behavior. And that, in turn, made you, like, kind of feel bad about yourself. And then it's almost like a cycle. Like, you couldn't stop doing it, I'm sure, in that, that in the midst of that relationship. Like, did you experience that? I just started shutting down, and then I just knew I had to leave. Um, I've been called, like, a runner. Um, this one guy I dated, he told me that I was a runner. I flee. And my whole thing is... I run when I know it is not going to be good for either me or you. So I don't see myself mm-hmm. as a runner. I see myself as a, I'm getting the hell up out of here because you're not about to turn me crazy. Um, but he's, yeah. his his thing was, and I dated him for like tuh, maybe a month. And he's like, you're such a runner. <laughs> it was so corny. I blocked that ass too. Run these, <laughs> but I'm. Well, that was safer for you. You would rather be the person doing the running than to be ran on. And, and maybe what was coming up in that relationship is just threatening. Absolutely, and I'm a big person. I believe in my peace. I believe that if it does not serve me. Um, in a in a good way that it does not belong in my life and um, yeah so you know so that's part of the solution so okay I um, approach a lot of this from a from an attachment perspective and so when I think about like our attachment needs you know um, for one I may not have the you know secure all my life, but I do know that I can kind of shift and respond to my partner in secure ways, ask for what I need in a secure way to then be that secure partner for him too. So I guess what I mean by that is like, well, let me just break down. There's, um, 
three attachment styles for adults that are commonly spoken about, and that's secure, anxious, and avoidant. And so the secure person is more likely um, to be able to tolerate conflict and not feel threatened by it. They're not going to become dysregulated. They just know it's normal relationship thing. They're unsafe, unbothered, like in a, in a healthy way. Like they're not putting up with like crazy stuff, but at the same time, it's not making them um, anxious or making them run. Um, that person is most likely to have like a secure caregiving unit when they're younger. It doesn't have to be a double parent home. It doesn't have to be parents. It can be grandparents or an auntie, but it was secure and like predictable. Like their needs are met. And then the anxious attachment style is um, someone who does get frazzled by um, arguments or in a, in a very severe instance, they may be that needy person. Like I, I used to think this guy who, um, like if it was back when like self, like the transition between people and cell phones and like he acted as if I had my cell phone like on the hook to set in my seat. Like it's my purse. I was in the restroom. I was in class. Like back up. Or the double call, the double text, or something like that. Something like that. Mm. And that person as a child is more likely to have maybe a disruption in their caregiving unit. And so they learned maybe not to trust that their needs would be met if they did not um, cry or did not call attention to certain things. Um, and then the avoidant, my favorite, um, is the person who, I guess, when they're called for like intimacy from their partner, they're likely to run or to, to shut down or not to be like emotionally available. Um, those are sometimes the people that are like, like fearing of commitment. Um, as a child, maybe they did have present parents. Um, but they just weren't emotionally there. And so when you get an anxious and avoid it in a relationship together, it's like commentary. So the more the anxious person is reaching out for reassurance, like in their own way, however they are asking, like, do you love me? Do you, do you be there for me? Do you care for me? Um, the more that they kind of like back off. Mm-hmm. And then that triggers the anxious person to pursue more. Or like, okay, so the worst is like in an argument, if one partner gets upset and leaves without words, that can really activate the anxious person where they look, oh, I hate using the word, they look, maybe they start wilding out. They follow them, they call them, back to back, like they just can't tolerate the fact that they left. And so it's really about finding, knowing like what attachment value is coming from and knowing that like A, you can transition it, like you're not stuck in that. And then figuring out how each partner can get their needs met without activating the other person's attachment style. That's so that could look like the person who needs space, they look, I need a time out. Like, I'll be back in 20 minutes. And that would be, like, a much better way to get the space that they need without, you know, activating the other person to trigger them. Like, it just becomes a vicious cycle after that. That's good stuff. That really is. And that, that I, I have to agree with you because I know a lot of my triggers definitely stem from my upbringing, my anxiety, and my <clears throat> want to not feel as though I'm getting, that someone is getting over on me. I watched like my relationship between my parents. And th- now that I'm older, as a child, I felt like that was normal. 
as an adult, I know my dad was very manipulative and my mom was very submissive to his manipulation. And because for so long I thought it was okay as an adult, it's kind of hard for me to shake the fact that that shit was not okay. He was manipulative in the situation. And I think that's what's, what has have had me to have such a high tolerance for the bullshit because I saw it for so long as regular behavior, but it wasn't. That that was that was manipulative. He was being very manipulative to my mom. And I think I'm the opposite. Like I'm the miss me with the bullshit. Like I'll break up with your ass real quick. <laughs> um <laughs> it's the flight she was talking about Miranda. Yeah. <laughs> I will break up with you. I don't know how to fight without saying I'm done. Yeah. Because I don't like all fighting. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And so uh, it's like, yeah. I'm not about to sit here and argue with you over the exact same things over and over and over again. And so then I fall into these relationships where it's this on and off again cycle because I'm like, I'm done. I'm out of here. And, and then I'm not. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, because I, in my head, I'm like, girl, you know your worth and you know, um, you just know you don't have to deal with this foolishness but then there's still yeah. this this emotional tie or like sometimes the insecurities of being alone i always tell freedom my worst fear is as much as i love kenya more i don't want to be kenya more <laughs> um <laughs> like you know like i just you know because we're both beauty queens um <laughs> but I no, can you more hair care? Right, that's all I keep hearing in my head right now. I love her. Yeah. Oh I love God. Kenya, but I don't want to be Kenya. Even though she's like, this is the thing. Kenya is like the example of the beautiful, successful black woman who, for some odd reason, has Halle Berry. Right, Halle Berry. Like, I don't want to be them. Um, and so, yeah, I think for me, it is, I need to learn how to, one, communicate better because I do shut down and I don't want to talk about it no more. Um, mm-hmm. Or um, I am quick to cut people off. I mean, I've ghosted people for the smallest things. Uh, <laughs> you will. Yeah, you will man. ghost somebody. I will. <laughs> drop out like they'll be like all right this one dude keep up <laughs> mr patient he called me at like ten, i hate people who call me after 10 o'clock i find it to be very disrespectful um and he called me at like 10 30 i wasn't sleeping so i was like hello <laughs> and he was like oh did i catch you at the best time i was like yeah i'm asleep <laughs> <laughs> and he was like oh you know i've been texting and calling you you haven't answered Take a hint. Read the room. <laughs> Sheesh. <laughs> Player. I was like, yeah, I've been really busy. He told me, I just wanted to check on you, make sure COVID didn't get you. Not COVID didn't get you. Oh, God. <laughs> COVID did not get me. I am perfectly fine. I that's just don't want to talk to your ass. <laughs> right. I was like, yeah, I'm going to call you tomorrow. Because I have a heart and I don't what like to. Mean? Yeah. Um, I avoid just having the conversation of, bruh, I, I'm not into I'm not you whatsoever. Um, and even when I do have that, I'm not interested. It's just, they like, I'm gonna make you be interested, right? No, you're not. <laughs> People try to bully me into relationships. That's a lot. 
relationship she don't want. <laughs> right. <laughs> Let my husband come, honey. He ain't got to bully nothing, baby. We together. We are in love. <laughs> Second date. I love you too. <laughs> in private practice. Which one did you? Oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. What you were gonna ask? I was gonna ask which one do you both identify as? And keep in mind that, like, just because you didn't have a disruptive parenting or you didn't have consistent, you know, like the origins or the, the foundation of the attachment style isn't that significant. Like, you can you can actually develop attachment wounds from being bullied in school, or it could have nothing to do with your blood relatives. It could just be relationships or, or even something that happens in your adult life relationships that um form the new narrative but i was wondering which which you like which category you saw yourself in i saw myself in the avoidance um yeah i i am a i i don't like to deal with stuff um i'd rather things cool down and then i'll act like nothing happened um, now, next month, it could be a small little trigger that's going to upset me, but I rarely have like really big outbursts. I hold a lot of things in because I don't want people to one, um, see my emotion or I don't want for someone to be able to control my emotions or see that they had control over my emotion. Um, so, you know, I play it real big, like I'm good. <laughs> oh, okay. And that's that's my thing. I'm the, I'm the big faker. I I fake this. I fake it till I make it. I'll give off the illusion of shit. Fuck this shit, bro. I don't care. <laughs> like the Mariah Carey breakdown song is literally my life. <laughs> when I go home at night, I'm gonna break down and cry. But what that nine to five where I'm up and around people, like I just don't. I don't want. I don't want to seem. I don't want it to come off as if people know something that I don't know. Are you talking about people or the person mm-hmm. that you're with? The per well, the person that I'm with. Like I don't want it to. I don't want him to come off. If I don't want it to come off to him as if he's getting over on me or something that I yes. don't know. Like okay, I, so I heard that kind of reading between the lines that you're talking about. Like you didn't want to replicate how your mom was in her relationship. Mm-hmm. is you really place a lot of value on knowing what's going on. Which I think is why you will, I, I don't know, but it could possibly be why your threshold's so high. It kind of like adds some extra layers to your threshold. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can see that. I can see that. And I think mine is the opposite just because I saw my mom like you know, work so hard and this man gave absolutely nothing. And, you know, of course, our stuff is cultural stuff as well, because we're African and the way that she was raised and all this other stuff. I just looked at it like I ain't trying to be her. If you ain't here for me or if you are not feeding into my life the way that I'm feeding into yours, then you cannot be a part of my life. Um, And I think that's opposite from my mom, who was constantly still giving, still so forgiving. Um... And I feel like I'm still that person a little bit, but I have my limits. Yeah. For sure. Um, I think when you're in a relationship, you're very... um, 
you're gonna do whatever it takes like you're that person in a relationship you're very compromising you have this hard exterior but in the relationship it don't you don't be like that like you're very understanding to your partner yeah you give yourself way harder of a time than i don't think you give yourself enough credit in the relationship and i don't know if it's because of what other people in the relationship have said but from the outside looking in i see your efforts and i know you personally so i know that you're putting forth the effort for somebody else and i think it goes unnoticed and that's when i feel like i know for me the next person that i get into a relationship with has to be a giver just as much as i give Mm -hmm. i can't get with another taker because because i'm a giver i give until there's nothing left and then i'm mad (laughs) (laughs) so she doesn't like to set boundaries (laughs) clearly because like it's let them take it all and yeah because it's the things that you want the other person to To do do for for you so it's like you know i'll do these things because i'm showing you how i feel love should be and i need you to act on that as well instead of you just continuously taking what i'm giving you and then you start acting like you entitled to it that's when it's just like okay i had a therapist to tell me one time i have to be accepted accepting of who people are stop trying to change people she was like once you realize a trait in someone you have to make the decision can i tolerate this trait or can i not in the event that you can't tolerate she was like then you have to ask yourself the tough question am i willing to move on away from this person because i can't tolerate this trait or how big is this trait is it just something that gets on my nerves or is a deal breaker like you really have to break down and have those type of tough conversations with yourself and a lot of times for me i don't think i have truthful conversations with myself in certain regards when it comes to relationships because i don't want to i don't want to come off to the person as I hate to seem needy or as if I don't have my shit together, even if it's emotional, not financially, but like if I don't have my shit together emotionally, I don't want to be, oh, I'm, my feelings are so hurt. Why are you doing this to me? I'd rather give off the it is what it is type attitude than to say, no, nigga, don't fucking do that shit. That shit fucking hurts. I don't like to feel like that. Don't do this shit to me. You're not doing it to nobody else. Like you're not going to do this to me. I don't like to come off like that. Mm-hmm. And I think. I need to learn how to set better boundaries in that regard. And like I said, I have those tough conversations with, okay, this is this person's character. This is who they are. Can I deal with it? If I can't, then I know I can't deal with the person because I can't get mad when he doesn't act the way I want him to act when this is who he is. Right. I think we all struggle with that because, you know, I know with my child's father, I, we've had the conversations of could I go back to that situation and I know that that situation isn't the best situation for me for the simple fact that this person is who he is and I don't like who he is Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying like I think he has all these really great traits to be this really great person but I no longer am in the space of potential I need you to be a good character having person in this time And that isn't it. And I think for me, you know, what really put the nail in the coffin was the whole chemo situation. Mm -hmm. Like, I've sat and really (coughs) thought about, excuse me, like, could you 
could you work on something with this person? And the, it always comes back to no, because I can't get past the character of the person. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I would love to live the dream of whoever wanted... I, I never picture myself as somebody's baby mother, but I can't... I, I, I love me too much mm. to to deal with that. Right. Yeah. And yeah. Are you boiling something? Yeah, it's just like oh, okay. Yeah, I love me too much to um to compromise my own happiness and I feel like I'm in such a happier place. And then we can we co parent really, really well. Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, so yeah. This is therapeutic. And see, this is what I'm talking about. Like, you just, it's like you're talking to your girlfriend and then they want you to pay them. But see, the difference with this is your girlfriend, sometimes we're the blind leading the blind. A therapist can give you a more objective point of view. That's why I have two completely different girlfriends that I talk to. But we're still going to have, but we're not going to be as objective because you are our best interest. So. We can't be but so objective when we're giving advice. Whereas a therapist, she she's going to be able to be completely honest and transparent. She doesn't have anything to lose in this. She's, she's not going to have a soft spot for you because of what y'all been through. So her advice or her uh, going through therapy it just it's different than a homegirl. Right. I get it. So, Miranda, what do you think, or how can people... Well, I'll ask you this question. How do you think therapy helps black women in general? Because I think that's our our target. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it helps in a lot of ways. Kind of like what you were hitting on is the fact that, like, a friend or a family member, they can't hold space. Like, they just don't want to wave a magic wand for you to feel better because your pain is uncomfortable for them. And the therapist, your pain, like, of course, they don't get pleasure from seeing you in pain, but they can handle it. They, they can guide you through it. They're not um, skittish. It's like a doctor for you you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that's definitely um, a reason to see a therapist versus going in on, on friends and family. Um, a lot of the clients that come to see me at their first consultation, they'll say, like, well, nothing they said would help, or they just kind of minimize it. They just don't understand the entire thing you talk about it, you know? Mm-hmm. And like you were talking about earlier, like, you want to see results. I want tangibles. I want homework. I want deliverables. I want to know that this is actually working. And in a therapeutic relationship, you have actual goals. And, um, you get to dictate, like, I don't want to talk about this, but this is how I want it to go, versus your mom is going to talk about whatever she wants to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Um, now, do you only take clients in Georgia? Is it like you have to be licensed in a state to practice? Right. Yeah, so I only take clients in Georgia right now with the pandemic. I'm seeing them all through telehealth. Telemed. And so mm-hmm. we're able to, yeah, we're able to use the platform where we can at least visually see each other in each other's facial expressions and things like that. Um, but some clients, you know, phone works better, especially those 10 o'clock appointments and we may have just made it out of bed. But it's been really convenient and helpful that insurance companies have been paying for it. 
I was wondering with telehealth, is it just, are they they're still mandated to be state to state with who you can see? Even though with telehealth, yeah, yeah, I was wondering. You are. um, I mean, you could probably find a coach that's out of state, and quite a few coaches these days do have therapeutic training. They're just operating as coaches. Um, But you know, some therapists are are licensed in multiple states, so just finding them. So tell everybody where they can um, all because we have a lot of um, subscribers in Georgia. Tell them how they can. Connect link up with you. with you. Yeah, so our website is com, and on social, all social medias, um, we are at Court Counseling. And I actually just launched a, um online shop for merchandise um, called courtcounseling.shop. Come on, so merch. you can find that on social media under courtcounseling.shop and also our website is courtcounseling.shop. So um, it's all targeted, you know, with just normalizing mental health, taking away the stigma, and some of the collections that we have, we donate a portion of the proceeds to different causes like Fantasy Project and um, the Therapy Fund of the Loveland Foundation. So, awesome. Check it out. Awesome. Thank you so much, Miranda. We appreciate you coming on. We appreciate your <coughs> insight, your feedback. This has been a very good conversation. Um, no, this is very fun. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, of course. Is it? We like to leave off with like a a takeaway. What was your takeaway today, Miranda? We'll let you give the takeaway. I mean, just the shared experiences. Uh, um, I guess what came up for me most is just the ability to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of ways, I think we did that here today. And in some of the barriers to our healing is our ability to get more comfortable with being vulnerable and not seeing it so black and white. Like, me being vulnerable could just be me, like, oh, I didn't like that. Versus, like, I don't have to cry about it or say, you know, why, but just be more transparent. Oh, well, thank you so much again. Thank you. Appreciate it. Everybody, um, this has just been a lot for us to unpack, I think. A lot of <clears throat> thoughts. <laughs> I mean, I already knew what it was. So, my joint is unpacked. I'm working on not being so manly. <coughs> and being, like she said, I think I am working on being more vulnerable to people and in showing mm-hmm. emotions. Um, and... Um, yeah, and, and communicating better. Um, I definitely need to express how I feel um, and learn how to, to express it in a way that isn't, you know, disrespectful or, like, filled with emotions. Mm-hmm. At work, I don't put emotions into anything. Um, I am stuck, like, my motto is FOP, facts only, please. So I think that has trickled into my personal, personal life, life where... Um, I have sort of taken the emotion when it comes to like confrontation. I sort of, I don't, I try to hide the emotions. Um, and then when I do show it and I am vulnerable and I don't get my way, that just that, turns to a whole yeah. other thing. <laughs> so, I'm working. Well, you know, though, you know. Right. That's the thing. We know all our triggers, we know what's causing them. We just got to figure out how to process those thoughts into peaceful actions. 
Um, again, thanks everybody for Thank listening. You. Thank you, Miranda, for coming. And yeah, we're gonna continue to unpack. Yeah, I think we should have okay. another conversation about this. Definitely another conversation will for be sure. Needed. All right, so thanks for listening. Tune in next week. Um, make sure to like, subscribe, and tell all your friends about DS Queens. Bye.